It's a pinch sheep. Hey, Cameron. Hi, Chad. How are you? Oh, I don't know. I feel like I cut you off there. Were you about to say something cool? No, but I have a, I have a dumb story that has to do with work I can tell. Okay. So, um, head of HR comes up to me this week, and she's like, Hey, Chad, did you... Did you send uh, your Dan an email about all these whiskeys he should try? And the answer is, of course, yes. Um, but I feel like in a normal place of employment, if like HR is like, hey, did you do a thing about booze or drugs? Your response is like, oh, I'm in trouble. But I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course I did. I, I like whiskey and, and he wants to try some. And she's like, can you send me that email? Because my, me and my husband, we collect whiskey. And I wonder if I have it. And I could give him some sample bottles to try because... He's been trying to, you know, expand his thing, and he's cutting out soda, and he, like, he wants to keep drinking, but can't mix. So I find the email, and I send it to her, and uh, the next day, she comes up to me, and she's like, yeah, thanks for that. Hey, I looked at all those recommendations with my husband, and she's like, and he thinks uh, you'd probably like uh, Tomatin. Have you ever had that? And I said, I have. It's very good. She's like, have you ever had the 12-year? And I said, no. And so she hands me, like, a shot glass worth of, uh, of booze and a little, like, vial, and she's like, well, here you go. You, you should try this Tomatin 12-year age to, and just see how you like it. And and she just, and I, of course, I like, immediately I open it up and smell it like in front of her, right? Like we're on the clock, and it's just like this funny thing, um, because I live, I work in a cartoon place, and she's like, "Is there anything else you want to try?" And it's like, as a matter of fact, there are. And so I gave her like a couple things I've been meaning to get a hold of, and she's like, "Oh yeah, we got those. We collect booze. This is great." And I, and I found out there's a lot of people at work that like bourbon. And it's like we all should get together, and then probably hate each other because we're in different departments and we you know just really weird different personalities i don't know how well that would work but we're alcoholics probably so that's cool we have that in common um and basically there's no point to this story it's just a kind of a silly thing that happened to me this week now i find that funny um at my old place of work everyone everyone loved to go drinking and there were actually uh three different popular bars uh, near our factory so there was a there's kind of this like local one where um ironically a guy that used to work at the company quit and said i'm going to make a bar i'm going to make my own brewery i want to make my own microbrewery that's what i'll do and so he bought this like little building <laughs> right nearby the factory and just set up a microbrewery and that was kind of his like retirement project was to get this like uh off the ground Okay. And his son took over. Um, so there's kind of the story tied into it. Plus, it's pretty good beer. So people like to go there. There's also, um, this is an aerospace factory. And there happened to be an aerospace-themed bar that would do trivia nights regularly. So that was a fun place. And then there was a Mexican one. It was like a Mexican restaurant, but their bar was bigger than the restaurant. And so it was kind of funny because, like, I remember once I went to a bar after work. And then I show up, and there just happens to be, like, 12 people from work there. And I thought, well, that's funny. And it's the first time that I, like, talk to any of these people off the clock. Just, you know, a nice experience. Mm -hmm. uh, when I got promoted to the desk job position, it became a much more regular thing to all go out together. And this is a situation where we all do kind of hate each other. Oh, no. But we could all leave it at the door and clock out. And go to the, we, we'd go, we'd order a whole thing of nachos. Um, manager would buy everyone around. Uh, we, we'd have like a huge crisis and it's like, I, I better, I got to come in on Saturday to fix this. But tonight we drink and just would not talk about work at all. 
and it was just very um it was one of the very few things that helped me get through that place was having like a, a safe harbor rule at the watering hole <laughs> yeah that was always you kind of you, you need those reminders that everyone's human once in a while yeah that was that was always the weird thing because for the longest time uh before covid fridays we would go get lunch me and three other coworkers, um and it was this thing that they had started and i got roped into it um but we would always or almost always talk about work and it was sort of like I'm off the clock. Like, I don't want to talk about work right now. I just want to eat my shitty fast food and, and enjoy, you know, not being at work. You know, it would always be it almost as like impromptu meeting. Like, hey, what, what are you working on when you get back? You know, what, what can we fit this project in? Can we fit this project in? And it's like, I don't know. Like, And that's that's funny. It is lunch, though. And that's kind of different. Like, it's not that you aren't entitled to your time off while you're off the clock. But I can't do that. Like my lunch is usually I'm I'm already angry about something that's going to happen after lunch. Sure. It's funny how that works. Yo, man! If as soon as I clock out for lunch, I'm fucking. I don't think about work at all, or at least I really try not to. Like if if someone comes and knocks on my door, if there's a phone call, like I'm depending on who's calling, I might take it. Like if it's you know the electrician or whatever, that's usually like kind of pressing. Um, but if it's Hey, that guy from Fast and All, they want to sell some bolts or whatever. It's like, he can fucking wait. And then I'll throw on YouTube and I'll like watch a video while I eat lunch at my desk. And then I'll, I will go for a walk outside and I'll you know, do loops around the building or whatever. And if people are like, well, I see you walking a lot. How come you're not in, you know, we got a really nice lunchroom. And it's like, yeah, but it's nice outside. Like, I want, I want getting away from the building. That's just what this half an hour is for, is for me to not be here. And you know what's funny too? I I think I was happier when I was on salary because I could work through my lunch. That's weird. Like I, I wasn't required to to leave. Um, when you're on the clock, at least in California, man, the the laws get really really strict. Oh yeah. And it's it's like it's more of a headache to deal with a lunch break than it is to just uh, I'm gonna eat this sandwich and catch up on emails without thinking about any of it too much. Sure. That was a much better lunch break or like or having like a lunch meeting where it's like, oh, OK, let's all let's go over to building eight and we're going to get sandwiches and we're going to have our, um, you know, our, our business meeting and watch the PowerPoint while we all go. Nom, 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 nom. I guess I I like to structure my day with like specific breaks, right? Like I, I work for two hours and I take my, my coffee break. And I'll, you know, browse the headlines uh, on Snopes or whatever. And this is my, this is my coffee break. My, you know, I got my 10 to 15 minutes or whatever. And I'm just gonna, it'll be fine. Because I, I mowed one of these by like law or whatever. And then two hours later, I get my lunch break. And then two hours later, I clock out because I only work six and a half hours. Uh, because life's pretty cool that way. I don't have to fucking work eight right now. <laughs> I haven't for the past like five years. And it's been awesome. I come home and I scream and I and I write and edit and I play with my cat. And people are like, "How do you get all this stuff done?" And it's like, "Well, that's that's a big that's a big part of it." So I just I don't I don't have to work as long. Okay, I got a good lunch story. I'm trying to I'm, I want to walk through it in my head real quick that I got it all charted out right. Okay. So we had this issue. I, I so I worked in the purchasing department, right? Mm-hmm. Specifically, the indirect purchasing, which is kind of like um, that's going to be your batteries, your your cutting tools, your office supplies, 
uh, the janitor service, the maintenance service, yep, yep. electrician stuff, all that jazz. Um, somebody in upper management loved to go to Panera Bread and they would just order a catering thing and they would order more than enough. So there's always like half the thing is just left in the lunchroom afterwards. Sure. And so all the peasants would come, you know, out of their little rat holes and pick away at whatever's left on the table for them. And it was this very weird thing where I remember like my, my indirect buying boss, he found like how much we spent on Panera bread and he went through the roof because he just, he sees it out in the lunchroom. Like every other day there's Panera bread and he's like, why is this here? Whatever. And he just assumed that we were getting some sort of good deal or there was like maybe some justification behind it. But when he saw the number, he's like, well, wait a minute. Th- this seems kind of silly. You yeah. know, it's more than excess. So this became like a recurring thing where me and him would kind of just note how there's certain people that seem to buy a lot of free lunches. And it's like, why don't we just put that budget on their building? So it's like when he keeps going to Panera Bread and then they run out of copy paper, he can explain why free lunch is more important than copy paper. Huh. Like literally, it was like, if we just budget for it, we don't mind. You can right, do whatever right, you right. want, you know, but it's like, that's what budgeting is. Right now, it's nonsense money that he isn't paying for. And it's only this one guy. Like, we figured out who was doing it. So I remember my boss pitching this to the director, saying, like, hey, we should organize some sort of, like, lunch budget. And just all the managers are allowed to cater as much as they want. But, you know, we track it. And for whatever reason, they weren't open to that. And I remember kind of, uh, that was a point where I started to like lose faith in the company as a whole. Yeah. Because it wasn't just the principle of the thing. It was like, I've been chewed out for wasting 30 cents before, but then we're talking hundreds of dollars. (laughs) It's like, Hey, we could just stop this right away. This is easy. And it's like, well, we're not interested. The peasants love their crumbs. We leave after. It's kind of interesting like that, and um, my old boss, uh, he would kind of mention that too, like, the benefits where I work aren't always great, our health insurance prices aren't always great, but there's, like, the social benefits, right, like, uh, we'll get free food every once in a while for certain holidays, or uh, you know, every department has uh, a budget for, I can't remember what the, the, the it, you know, term yeah. is or whatever, but, you know, just like, for, for that. Em- employee recognition, stuff like that. Yeah, and, and and so, you know, like maybe like once every two months, I'll walk in and there'll be like free donuts or something, right? And I'm like, fuck yeah, free donuts. And then it's like, yeah, but if you get sick, your deductible sucks. And it is like I kind of get it does work, like at being the peasant at work, right? Like like those those freebies and those little little gifts that they drips and drabs over the year. Like I do look forward to them. It's like, oh, Cinco de Mayo, they're gonna cater and be a burrito. I fucking love be a burrito. I'm gonna get a free burrito for lunch. Uh, because of this and that's you know it's a thing to look forward to um and last year was kind of funny because a lot of this stuff didn't happen because of covid so we had this like surplus of all this employee recognition and so like for christmas everyone got a 50 dollars gift card you know visa card or whatever and a lot of us are like you know i kind of like this more <laughs> than all the recognition stuff like instead of taking me to lunch somewhere a couple times on your dime like just give me 50 bucks 
because then I control what, what I eat because I already kind of do anyways. I would prefer to handle my own lunches and like plan out my calories than to have a random neighbor like, hey, guess what? We're going to go to the old country steak buffet. And it's like, uh, okay, I guess I'll eat a salad. Um, I don't know. It, 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 was, it was an interesting last year for that regard. So we didn't have the big Christmas party. We didn't have a lot of this stuff. So everybody's got an extra 50 bucks. They could do whatever they want with. And it's like, hell yes. Now, it's funny. Our bonus was for Thanksgiving. We would get a free turkey. We do that too. But it was like restaurant grade turkey. Like it's a brand that they don't sell at the stores. Oh. So it was very good. And it was one of those things where every year they'd go like, like there'd be a budget meeting. And it's like, okay, the turkey thing we do. Uh, why don't we just give everybody cash instead? Because it like it's very disruptive that day. Like the logistics of actually handing out all the turkeys. Oh yeah, it fucking sucks. It's like a day lost. Um, and it's always like, uh, no, like <laughs> you'd have to pay more than the turkey's worth to to make it worthwhile because it's like the perk is you can't get this turkey anywhere else. Like that's that was the actual benefit. It's like I'd rather have the turkey than the money. Sure. And I remember. This was actually the year I left. They officially stopped doing the turkey thing. Oh no. Yeah. And I think um I think most people were okay when you put the cash in their hands. But it was kind of like the week after people were kind of going like, yeah, you know, I kind of counted on that turkey cuz I when I found out we weren't getting the turkey, I went to the store and they they only had small ones left and that it didn't taste the same and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to bring it back or not, but it was like a definite like, oh, yeah, this $30 gift card to buy my own turkey isn't quite as neat. I've I've been really enjoying because I've gotten a free ham from, from where I work every year because we, they do turkey or ham you get to pick. And, nice. um And so, like, my dad would get a turkey from his work and then I get a ham. And so I throw the ham in the freezer. Oh, and yeah. We'd have the turkey and then think, uh, uh, Easter rolls around. We bust out the ham. My mom cooks that up in the way she usually does, which is awesome. She's so good at cooking ham. Uh, makes that like kind of like a brown sugar pineapple like juice to cook it in. You know, you roast it in there and it just gets fucking in there. Goddamn. But like that, that's a huge perk because for one thing, it's a big ham. And so multiple meals, right? You're all of a sudden you're taking ham sandwiches to work for a week now and you have like dinner for a couple nights and, and, then, and then you turn the bone into soup and uh, it's great. Like some of that stuff, I think like there's an objective sense where it's like, I wish my paycheck was a bit higher. I wish my insurance premiums were lower. I wish all of these things, right? Because at the end of the day, like that adds up more in a year than the perks I get for just being there and, and ha- the celebrations we do. But I think emotionally, I do like the celebrations more. I like that we have an Oktoberfest thing. And, and so like we get an hour lunch that day. We wheel out some dumb games and there's prizes and stuff and I usually don't stick around. I'll, I'll just take an extra long walk and there's like a, some trails and stuff nearby. But I like that I can go do that. And like that's how I'm enjoying this is like, oh, cool. I can go for an hour long walk and then we'll get free food too. So I don't know. The human mind's kind of funny, right? Because you can be as objective as you want to be over like what is really the best choice, you know, at an Excel spreadsheet. But then there's, yeah, but also what does the heart want? You know, what what, what if I greasy tubes need in me that is sugary because at any given day man a donut's really good yeah you can't discredit the intangible happiness that you find mm-hmm. 
it's weird. I remember um, like uh, this is also at the same place I worked at. We used to do a thing where every couple of years we'd have like an open house in the summer where people could come and like look at the factory. And the idea was that it was kind of like you could bring your family. Yep. And there'd be like uh, prizes and gifts for the kids and um, people get T-shirts and like that kind of a thing. And they kind of just they stopped doing it. And after a couple of years, somebody was like, we, we should do one of those again. I remember when we did them all the time. We should do that again. And and they looked at the schedule, and it's like, it's just, summer's not a good day. You know, even do it on the weekend. It's like, we're running seven days a week. We can't just shut down the factory. Yeah. But we could by winter. So let's do a Christmas one. And so I remember, this was a, this is amazing. For whatever reason, people really wanted the summer one. And I think part of it was, it's easier to plan, like, a summer thing with the family than a winter thing. I because guess. it's like. It's like the kids are off from school. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So what happened was they planned the winter thing. They hired a Santa Claus. Uh, each building had like a Christmas decorating contest. And then nobody showed up. Well, it was like about, I want to say a third of the normal people showed up. Okay. Also, like only one building bothered with the Christmas decorating. And it was literally like breaking OSHA regulations and it was this constant back and forth of like oh don't be a grin she's like you can't hang that there it's a fire hazard yeah and it was like it was this whole thing where it was such a disaster that I oh and also like the Santa Claus I guess he was like paid by the hour and it's like someone could have just told him to leave early so he just sat there bored and it was kind of like an asshole to the people after he realized that like he didn't need to be there it was like a weird <laughs> just they're kind of like, we're never doing that again. Yeah. But building one wins the decoration contest. It's funny about the uh, the OSHA thing, right? Because I know, like, there's a couple of years where, you know, Halloween rolls around and there's people that kind of get into it. But at the same time, the bulk of our people work in manufacturing in front of presses. And it's like, yeah, these, like, draped Halloween costumes or anything dang, like, you cannot wear that around a printing press. You're going to get caught in the press. And so... Most people are just like, you know what, Halloween's, we, we just really can't do it. Like, there'll be candy, you know, for people. And then, like, the front offices will get fucking into it. And they'll have a lot of fun with it. They'll have lots of decorations and, and, and shit like that. And so it's sort of like, okay, yeah, on your break, you know, go walk around through the front offices and see how crazy they got. Like, And I ended up doing a, a, a video for our Facebook page uh, last year on that, which was pretty fun. And one of those things where, like, I just spent, like, eight hours on this probably for, I don't know, like, maybe a hundred views on Facebook. Like, it was not worth it. But it was fun, and I wasn't going to tell them no. I don't know. It's hard when it's a factory, right? Because there are so many rules, and you can't disrupt production. Because we used to do a lot of tours, too. And uh, COVID put a stop to that. But how we would handle them is, like, they're just really small, like, maybe at the most 20 people but usually around 10 so you get like a small group of people and then you could kind of walk them through and keep them out of the aisles and you get get a taste you know this is what happens here and then we'll move on real quick and you know get out of people's way but they would they would basically happen during a working day uh and it was always kind of weird but the place is cool enough where i got i get the appeal like there are times where like it's saturday no one's working i should you know badge in with my parents and show them some of the shit we got because the presses look cool like the the mechanics of them are neat. Some of what, if you don't work in a factory, I don't. It's like 
you have like this idea of what a factory is and it's like this black and white video of like people on an assembly line hitting like a thing with a, a hammer um there might still be some of that but it, it's way more sophisticated now and especially with screen printing we're like no the machines are really kind of neat looking like you don't you don't think about this until you're there and you're like oh i guess this is how shit's made and it's kind of cool so we were we were talking on vr chat about making our own world mm-hmm. and i kind of threw this joke idea out that we should make tr- uh no willy wonka's chocolate factory but instead of like a chocolate factory it's a baked beans factory yeah and i feel like the joke would be like the facade should be the the like weird majestic mysterious castle but then you walk in and it's just like a little room with a machine that just like is printing out beans into a can that would be kind of cool and And there's like nothing magical about it um but i had a better idea how would this okay it's a it's a museum about uh, paper clips. Okay. It's just the paper clip museum. And you walk in and there'll be like a little pedestal with a paper clip on it. And there'll be like pictures on the wall saying like the first paper clip was invented in this year. And like that's it. But then there'll be like a door to the gift shop and then the gift shop is just huge. I like that. I think that's um I feel like that would be funny. I think that's I'm still funny. brainstorming, but I, I want to do something that's like wh- what can I do in cubes? That I can make <laughs> easily, but would be funny to see. And that's the thing, right? Because I, I, it made me think. We went to that one bunky place last week, and it was stupid as fuck. It, I can't remember what it was like the the flat plane or something like that. But you walk in, and there's like these four big black boxes with doors in them, and they're all labeled. And like, one's like the monkey zone, one's like the cum zone, one's the sleep zone, and then I think there was a fourth one. I don't remember what it was. But there's these, they're just these bizarre, stupid jokes that are so internet-y. And it's like, if you ask me what, what is funny about this, I could not tell you. But it was really, really funny. Well, yeah, it's like, you mentioned the sleep zone. I said, oh, we should go to the sleep zone. And like, me and Joe ran ahead all excitedly. And you're like, well, what's this? And you walk in, and the two of us are just like, we're standing in the corner like the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Because it's, it's just literally a cube. It's a dark like, there's cube. No, there's no decorations. That, like, it's all default Unity assets. Like, nothing there was made with Blender. It was all just, you go into Unity and res cube. Okay, that's the floor. Like, that's what the whole world is. Mm-hmm. And, but, like, me and Joe were, like, way into it. And so you walked in, you start laughing because it was funny. And it's like, yeah, you can't, you can't really explain this to somebody. It's hard to recreate. But there's this, like, joy that we got out of that place. Yeah, we walked into the cum zone, which I had to get a picture of me standing outside of it because for some reason that was really funny to me too. But we walk in there and like, it's a bunch of dumb anime pictures against the wall. Like they look like they're thumbtacked. It's mostly Dragon Ball Z characters. And then there's a, a freaking like race car bed in the middle. But also like it wasn't even sexy. It was like just uh, Goku standing there like normal, like. It, it, that's was kind of the funny part was that think, it wasn't even suggestive. I think the joke is like, "Hey, you're a teenager and you're beaten off in your bed, and your your wall is full of Dragon Ball Z posters." Like that's it. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't like an an intimate experience. It was just like, remember when you were twelve and you didn't know what this was yet? And I don't know why, but I fucking lost it. That was so goddamn funny. And it's like, I guess this is one of those like anti humor. I don't. I don't know how to describe this to people other than, like, if I say this to a normal person, they'll look at me like, I'm insane. Like, why are you playing this dumb game? And it's like, 
I don't know, but I have to because my friends are there and we go do weird adventures. I love it. Because I, th I feel like the whole like, oh, haha, it's funny because it's random isn't a, a type of humor I generally like, but it is one like I might employ because sometimes you just like, you this dumb word association. Someone said something and you think of something, so you just blurt it out. And it's like, it's kind of funny because it doesn't make sense. But typically, like, that's not a good joke to me. And so this yeah, felt there... a little like that, but it wasn't. Like, there was just enough deliberate shit going on where it's like, no, I yeah. have to peel this apart and find out what the joke is. Um, There's an art to random humor that I think people don't understand. It It's kind of like other jokes, though. A lot of people think that if they laugh, that means they have a sense of humor, but that doesn't mean you have a sense of humor. Right. It's uh, more like you're easily amused. Or just that you cannot, you can receive a joke, but that doesn't mean you can write a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a talent to it, you know? And you know when someone's not funny, when they think that being random is to say taco, because they're saying, I'm being random, but they're also replicating something someone else did which by definition isn't random sure you know what i mean it's like but you didn't expect me to say taco and it's like actually i did like <laughs> i yes i also grew up watching invader zim yeah and reading deadpool i want you to watch this short it's 50 seconds oh dear that's very long it's called the guy whose humor hasn't changed since 2016 oh boy this is probably gonna be an experience. All right, I'm clicking play in three, two, one. Hello, my name is Bethany Johnson. This is my husband, Roy, and our son is trapped in 2016. <laughs> oh, Jeremy, uh, can you take out the trash for me, baby? <laughs> Why would I take out myself? <laughs> Listen, I love Jeremy, but if he sends another meme about Trump being orange, I might disown him. <laughs> Mom, your doggo is a mood. <laughs> so me and my boy Josh are gonna see how much Jeremy knows about today's humor just to test the severity of his condition. Hey Jeremy, <laughs> check out this meme about a mouse with a Supreme logo and boots, and he's saying, be as quiet as a mouse. <laughs> I don't get it. Yes. No, no, what the f are you doing? So, I smiled a couple times, but also I feel like that lasted six hours. It's maybe a little bit longer than it has to be. But no, it's like, it's literally 50 seconds, and I'm just like, oh my god, I still have like 40 seconds left. <laughs> <laughs> what time zone horseshit is going on here? I just, I, I like the fact that they kind of pointed out how, like, not funny current humor is either. Yeah. Which I appreciate. <laughs> Honestly, but when there's he's like, also, oh man, it's just. It's like, when you, could you take out the trash? He's like, why would I take out myself? And I was like, there we go. I like that one. I too hate myself. We can make fun of this. <laughs> this works. Um, I actually, I want to send you a picture too that ties right into what we we're talking about. About like the abstract randomness. Um, This person, it's uh, over four years ago. Um, they posted on Reddit. It's a picture of like some squares, but with other squares inside the squares, and they're okay. arranged in a specific way. And he just said, "This meme is from the future. You guys don't get the reference yet." And it's kind of this funny thing because it's like, yeah, that's how it works. Like it's just random stuff, and it's not actually funny, but with the context, it becomes funny. What's so startling 
is that the squares look a lot like Among Us? Yeah, I was characters. gonna say, is this? <laughs> they look like Among Us characters, at least like three of them kind of do. So just because they're like basic primary colors, and they have like the smaller, like the little squares are kind of in the in the visor section. Yeah, but also like part of the whole Among Us meme is that they're so basic looking that you see them everywhere. Like, oh, that trash can. Oh, that that air vent. Oh, that thing in the background of a SpongeBob cartoon. Mm-hmm. So the idea that it plays off of not only that it looks like Among Us that's everywhere, but it also plays off the fact that part of the joke is that the abstract version of Among Us is everywhere. Like, and it's like, like, oh no, why is it so real? Yeah, because this is like this is really kind of clever. But also, my first thought when I saw that red one was like, oh, that looks like a floppy disk. I haven't seen one of those in a while, but I definitely had a red floppy disk. That I would, because I didn't have a printer at home, so I'd have to, you know, all the stuff I'd put on a floppy to take to to school in the morning to print, and uh, what it's what a time, right? Like I, I held like what four megs of that, like maybe three. See if floppies were interesting. I remember getting games on those. Like man, now I'm just feeling really old. <laughs> I don't think I ever got. Uh, yeah, I don't think I ever got games on floppies. Um, there was. I remember for. I, I'm pretty sure I had a the old Doom on one. Like I think someone threw their version of Doom on a floppy, and I could play it on my computer. Wouldn't that be the like a diskette though? I guess whichever one held more space. Um, well, the diskettes I think they held the same amount of space, but they're smaller, and they came in like the harder plastic. Oh yeah, you're right. I guess yeah, you're right because like the, the the there were the big ones that were actually like literally floppy. Um. Yeah, I guess I never had one of those. I, I, I you know, I, I guess people call the small ones floppies too, don't they? It doesn't matter. Yeah, so I remember there was a uh, Independence Day games from like Burger King or something, or like maybe they came with the toys, but like that that came on 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 those di- this floppies. You put them in, you could play like a little dumb Independence game or Independence Day. Yeah, I man, I kind of love. <laughs> that stuff's like gone. It's weird. There's no way to like replicate that feeling. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of getting a free video game in your cereal box, yeah. And it's kind of like I'm gonna I'm gonna download five free games while I pour my cereal box, and they're, and they're all, all be ready to. Yeah, it's like it's weird. I I remember um when I was younger playing like PS One demo disc over and over because it's like it would have five very small portions of games on it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, wow, it's like all this stuff on one disc that I got for free at Pizza Hut. And like this disc has to hold me over until Christmas six months from now. Yep. When I'll get one more game. And now it's just sort of this really bizarre, um, like <laughs> there's an embarrassment of riches. But then ironically, kids only want to play like one thing. Like they're only into Fortnite or they're only into Among Us. And it's like, oh, Wow. Nintendo really wants you to spend $60 on Pokemon Snap, but I guess your dad will buy that. Well, I guess, like, the people I know that have owned Pokemon Snap, I feel like they put enough hours into it where it seems like that they got a $60 worth of game out of there. Like, I I paid $60 for Vanquish, and that was only, like, a five-hour game, and I had a good time with that, and I was totally fine with that experience. Like, I knew that going in, that this was a short game. Okay, now I'm curious. I know you don't follow games so close. Um, and you don't have a PlayStation 5. So I'm super curious what you know about Returnal. 
I know nothing about Returnal. Have you heard that name? No. Oh. Okay, that's less than I thought you'd know. Um, Returnal is weird because it's very cinematic and pretty and like PS5 graphics. Like it's a really cool looking game, but it's just it's a roguelike. And the bosses are like bullet hell bosses where there's just a bunch of dots flying at you and you dodge them. And it's kind of weird because it started this controversy of like, is this really worth $70? Because visually it is like next level. Like it is really, really cool. But also normally a roguelike is like an indie $10 game on Steam. But the whole point of the roguelike is that you get your time out of it because you keep grinding through and it keeps getting harder. So it shouldn't be an issue. But because the genre is usually cheaper this one feels weird even though the production costs more and it's just like weird conversation people are having where it's like i don't know what an appropriate price would be i don't know that it's wrong but i also don't know that it's right and i'm kind of like i think the price is fine but i'm also really not into it because i don't like roguelikes <laughs> so sure. it's like i don't have a oh my I don't god i have a horse in the race what this game is gorgeous oh did you look it up yeah i watched it a launch trailer on it for right now like holy fuck i wish they would show some goddamn gameplay but come on anytime now nope still looking pretty there we go yeah. it's really pretty um it's really cool uh some of the areas are really breathtaking like i've heard like oh when you get to zone four whoa and it's like i don't know what that means i mean it looks it looks fun like it it looks like a triple A experience. I guess if it's only a couple hours or it's not quite what you expected, I could that debate makes sense. But oh, but it it's more than a couple hours. I it's funny. I've actually heard complaints that it's too hard, and so people are like, "Oh, I keep getting to level three and I can't beat it. How do you beat level three? It's like, oh, I did. You have to do this one upgrade, and it's it's weird because I haven't heard conversations like this since like. You know, psychogenesis. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. You're at the lunchroom. It's like, how do you beat the water level? Um, and it's like, I I feel like they did a good job with this. I wish the discourse around it wasn't so like arbitrary. Sure. I, don't know. I was just I was curious what you'd say. I didn't mean to derail on something you don't even know about. No, that's fine. I, I feel like I mean we're kind of just shooting the shit. Like we're now we're talking about video games, but I think the the concept of like how much is a game worth means so much less to me now that i've had a full-time job for how many years i have disposable income right like it's not a it's not like this heaven or hell debate whether i buy a game or not it's usually like oh i want that game i'll go buy it and i if it's short i'm usually happier because i have less free time and i think we've probably talked about this before but when i was in high school and in college you have no money or, or very fixed amount of money it you know it's, you make sense you're like i want to play a game that's gonna i'm gonna get a lot of a lot of my meat off of, you know, I'll get like some JRPG that's like 80 hours and then I'll play that and, and I'll get 80 hours for $60. That's really good uh, because you could only afford a couple games a year. And so I don't know if something like this, like this looks like something I would enjoy. It looks very pretty. The gameplay looks fun. I like the, the bosses that flashed by or whatever and the explosions like I, I could be into this, but I also can afford to be into this, right? Like if it's not what you're expecting or are you not the kind of gameplay you maybe like yeah you know it's maybe not worth your money but i i like when they respect your time yeah um i'm kind of done with jrpgs because it'll get to a point when at the hour 50 mark 
you have to grind for a couple hours for the next area, and it's like, I'm not going to do this. Um, The yeah. new Resident Evil came out, and I skipped 7, but I kind of watched it because it looked really cool, but I wasn't sure if I really wanted to buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word I'm hearing about Resident Evil 8, it's just like 7, except it's a little shorter, and I'm like, sold, and I bought it day one. Nice. Because it, it's like, it's about 6 to 8 hours, and it's like, you know what? That kind of sounds like a good experience. I will get in on that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I think the other part, though, is something that makes me kind of laugh is the people that talk about the value and they say, like, Returnal costs too much. And it's like, dude, eight months from now, it's going to be free. Yeah. Like, PlayStation does this thing where you get free games. You get, like, two or three or five free games every month. And a lot of them are actually high. Pro- like, I think I have God of War now. I never bought God of War. I skipped it. But that's on my account. I have Horizon Zero Dawn. That's like a huge PS4, yeah. whatever. I I haven't even looked at that. It's like, it's on my account. I got it. But it's like, I'm not in the mood for that. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that later. You know, at one point, that was a $60 investment. But it's like, I accidentally got it for free because I want to play Final Fantasy Online. Man, so, I'm at a point. I wish Doom twenty the the new Doom game that I got finally that I'm still not finished with. I wish that was shorter. You got you gotta be close though. You've been you've been plowing through that one since Christmas. I got the sword. I got the oh, sword. That's a good and I was sign. Like, I finally got the sword. This is great. And then I haven't played in like two weeks. That game is really cool, and there's neat stuff about it. I feel like the difficulty spikes are kind of all over the place at the moment, and I know there are all times like. There's a couple of, like, enemies that show up now that I fucking hate fighting. They're just so not fun to fight. Because you have to, like, bait them out into certain attacks. You can only attack them in certain times. And it's like, this is Doom. I just want to shoot him until he's a corpse. Don't make yeah, me think too hard. Yeah, that's why I like the hard. first one more. I skipped Eternal. Because um, just the stuff I was looking at was like, I feel like they're over-designing it. That's not inherently a bad thing. Because it's basically giving you value in the form of a new game instead of just more of the same. Mm-hmm. But it's also, that's not what I'm looking for, so I passed. I think, for the most part, I like the new stuff, but there are there are too many like things to unlock or like upgrades. Like There's like multiple currencies you can find and acquire throughout the game. And I actually like forgot about one of them, and I'm like, why do I have like 30 of these tokens? What the fuck do I even do with these? And then I found out, I was like, oh, I could have been upgrading these things this whole time. I didn't need to because I'm, I'm making my way through without doing it, but there's just, I feel like there's a little too much in parts, and it's like, I wish there was like 10% less shit for me to do, and then that the stuff here was a bit better, and then that these annoying ass enemies with their axes didn't exist, or I could just kill them if I shot them enough because I hate fighting them and they keep showing up now, and it's like, well, I guess that's what the BFG's for, because that still works. I like that gun. That's my, I'm too tired to fight everybody in this room gun. Are you a Resident Evil guy? Eh, I like, um... So This is stupid, but, like, the only Resident Evil game I think I've played from start to finish is 5. Oh, okay. So, did you see the trailer for 4 in VR? I did not, but I heard it was, like, Oculus Rift only. Um, it's... Well, for now. Okay. It's it's a timed exclusive. Okay, because that that definitely has me interested, because I think that would be really cool. Um, but the trailer, you should see it because they implement the VR really well. Like it's not a huge visual upgrade, 
but they incorporate it everywhere. So when you save at the keyboard or the typewriter, you have to actually use your hands and hit the keys. And when you're managing the inventory, you like literally hold up a briefcase and you have like the, the item grid in the briefcase. You like grab the items and move them around. And um, what was the other part? Like there's stuff like you can you can use your hands. So in one hand, you can have a gun and the other hand, you have your knife. and You can like or you can try to like dual wield stuff and just like do things a little differently. And it's like, you know, I kind of I like that they're just having fun with it. I think that's all people want. Yeah. Trying to find Resident Evil 4. Oh, that's the wrong button. Um, you know Your... the shopkeeper, though, right? He's kind of iconic. Yeah. What are you so, selling? What are you buying? I love the new shopkeeper in 8. Um, Have you seen him? I have not. I'm going to find a video like when you see him for the first time while you're looking up Resident Evil 4. I can do a good distorted voice, everybody, just so you know. I just, I've been really mean to my throat the last couple weeks, so I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I've been waiting for you, Mr. Winter. Oh, this is neat. Isn't it? <laughs> well, I must say, that castle arouses suspicion. Yeah. I will say, with Resident Evil 5, that's a great couch co-op game, because that's the only way I played it, is split screen with my brother. And we had a fuckload of fun with that. Like, that was, that was cool. And then the, um... The bonus stuff you could do where you have to, like, kill all the people in a time limit or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. points. Like, we did a shitload of that as well. No, I think Richard, like, platinumed that game. Yeah, like, that. that's, a, like, legitimately a really kick-ass game. Uh, yeah. If you play it a certain way. I think, yeah, you have to know what you're doing to get the fun out of it. Um, It's weird because a lot of the complaints people issue at the newer Resident Evil games, like 5 and 6, rather... It's weird because you could issue the same complaints about four, but no one compared about four because you know what? It was fun. And I think that's the takeaway was that it has to be good. It's not that action is bad. Yeah. It's that it has to be fun to play. <laughs> and a lot of people just don't know how to articulate it because they're stupid children. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You got to see the new shopkeeper here in eight. Shit, this is eight minutes long. Holy crap. Is it this fat dude? Yeah. Holy fuck. Look at this guy. I, I, I like this. He's like, I like Jabba the Hutt. Like, he's really imposing. Well, he's also, like, he is imposing. That's a good way to put it. But he's also, like, so jolly and out of place that it, there's, like, an unsettling quality to it where it's like, okay, you feel like you can't trust him. Um, but also, he's the only, like, person that's not trying to kill you. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if he's giving you clues, um, it's like, you don't have any other clues to work with. He's the kind of character that I would I would want to incorporate into a D&D campaign. Oh, sure. Like, I would want the party to bump into the Duke. And it's like, you know, outside the castle, it's like, oh, those adventurers, you and your lobsters. I I hear if you like crustaceans, the Crab King has a certain jewel. Oh, but what would I know about that? One of my favorite things with uh, the Land of Glass, because we have a merchant character that shows up a lot, and uh, writing her was super fun because, like, she's really world-building important, and if you play through the game all on all the campaigns and talk to her for every campaign... uh. You like, you know, you could really piece together a lot of like weird shit we were going for as far as like different dimensions and, and like what she is doing and how her magic works and things like that. Like it was she's fun. 
Like I, I, I really enjoy a good merchant character. Sorry. Um. Yeah, you know who has a lot of fun merchants is Warframe. Oh, sure. Um. Almost every character you interact with is like trying to sell you something because they're all different, like reputation grinds. <laughs> um. Did you ever get to Venus? Uh, I don't think so. Venus is probably my favorite planet. Um, which is hard to say because there's like a there's like a gross um Zerg planet that you think would be my favorite, but I keep going back to Venus. And Venus is great because they have this whole like cyberpunk corpo thing going on where like everyone owes so much money that most of the people are missing body parts. Like they have robot arms because they didn't pay their debt on time, so the company took their arms away. Sure. It's stuff like that. People but also, the, like, the whole planet, there's, like, a lake of, like, fuel, because <laughs> it's just, like, oil that oozes out of the side of the building, and there's fish, but they're all, like, robot fish, uh, and there's just a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of fun personality there, there's a neat story, um, and I like interacting with all the different shopkeepers there, because they all kind of, like, there's this one guy who, um, he used to be a, a collector, but he, he kind of, he decided to turn around and be a little more, um, you know, humanitarian, uh, but also, like, environmentalist. So okay. he helps you um, catalog animals, and then he sells you, if you get, if you, <laughs> if you can capture enough animals, uh, you get tokens that you can exchange for plushies that you can decorate your, your, oh, nice. um, your ship with. Uh, but also, he's this, like, wizened, really serious guy where it's like, if he gives you advice, it's like you want to take it serious. And they and everyone just calls him the biz. And it's like there's just so much personality oozing out of these characters. I love a good merchant. Yeah. They're not... I feel like you don't see them as much in, like, books. I mean, partly because, like, you don't have, like, the weird character that just keeps showing up every level to sell you something, right? Like, it's not how books are structured. But I don't know. I feel like, like the next short story I do, I should have... I should try to incorporate the weird, you know, video game merchant into it. Because I don't think, I don't think I've ever done that for a piece of prose. I kind of want to, no. Like, like, but maybe the next, like, writing challenge I win, that'll be the theme. Did you ever play Red Dead Redemption? Nope. Um, you ever plan to? Nope. One of my favorite characters in there is this mysterious guy with a hat. He just kind of, seems like he's from the big city or something. He's just kind of weird. But he'll just show up like at odd times and he'll say something kind of cryptic or whatever. And it's like, ah, whatever. And you kind of realize by the end of the story that he's literally the Grim Reaper. Oh, really? And he's been following you. Oh, shit. That's and cool. it's funny because like sometimes he'll give you advice like, uh, like, oh, I heard there was some commotion over there. You know, why not? You know, if you're heading yeah. that way, just keep your ear out. And as you go down that way, there's like a church and the nuns are being robbed. And you can stop the robber and bring the money back, and then the nuns want to repay you, so they offer to just give you the money. And it's a choice you can make. And it's just, and like the Grim Reaper guy will comment on the choice you make later. And it, it doesn't feel like it's that important compared to the other stuff you do, but it's almost like he's purposefully giving you an opportunity to be a good guy because he knows that your time's short, so you gotta like make up for a couple things. Sure. And that's cool. It was semi-disappointing, um, 
Like I, I hate when sequels will like tread over the same thing over and over again. So I don't necessarily want to see the Grim Reaper in Red Dead Redemption Two. But they did work him in in a weird way that was so like teasy that it was almost worse than just doing the same thing. Uh, there's this really bizarre cabin out in a swamp. And if you go there, it's like, well, this is weird because there's just a bunch of paintings. And it's like, well, I guess there's some guy here that paints. And then if you let time pass and you come back, there's like more paintings, but there's also an easel that's being worked on. And if you let some time pass and come back, you can see like it's working from the bottom up and it's filling in the shape. And you can kind of figure out that, oh, it's the Grim Reaper guy in the suit. Oh, okay. And there's this really neat visual trick they do where um, if you go, like the, the final time you go visit, you have to go there at night and you walk in there and the painting's done and he's just like, he looks really grumpy and it's like he's staring right at you. And it's like, well, that's weird. And when you turn the camera to leave, there's a mirror in the corner of the room and in the mirror, you see him standing behind you. And it's like, well, that's kind of weird. And if you turn the camera around to look, he's gone and the painting's gone. And it's like, well, that's creepy. But you're only appreciated if you already know who the character is. Sure. And then that's it. It doesn't go anywhere. Oh. It's like, oh, well. Because <laughs> it's like building up to something really neat. And it's like, eh. Oh, the... So the one of the discords have been the, the vocalist one. Every Friday, we we put together this huge list of songs, like all the new ones that came out this week, and listen to them and kind of talk about them. It's, and it's a good time. Um, but they're, the guy who runs it wants to do this thing. We're like, okay, everyone send me a secret guilty pleasure, and we'll work those in and have to guess who's is who. And it's like, I really don't feel guilty about most of the music I listen to anymore. And he's like, well, it can be music you know is terrible, but you still like it. And it's like, but I also don't think I listen to terrible music. Everyone's like, yeah, some of these songs, like, this, is a, this song's got problems, but I still like it. I don't think... Like, even, like, if I go back to Limp Biscuit or something, and, and, yeah, Chocolate Starfish has, like, dumb fucking songs on it, but I think there's, like, there's still good songs. Like, they're catchy as fuck. They got a good attitude, even if it's, like, puts me back into being a teenager. Like, there's a lot of reasons why I still will go back and listen to that every once in a while, and it's not because, like, haha, it's so funny, it's it's good, you know, it's so bad, it's good, or whatever. Like, I don't... I, I hate the phrase guilty pleasure in, like, almost every situation it shows up in. I feel like we shouldn't be guilty about the things we like unless it's child porn. I think almost everything I listen to is objectively bad. Well, I mean, Arcade Fire. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, you know what I mean. You you know my taste. I don't know. Like, I think back to that, um, that, uh, the first listen thing we did, you sent that Stuart the Sock music. And... Uh, that stuff was, it was dumb, but I still, there's something, like, still really charming about it, and just because it's tied to that guy's yeah. persona and his brand, like, it was fascinating there. I, I still get the first song stuck in my head every once in a while with, like, making animal noises while having sex, like, I, it's, a, see, it's a funny song, it's kind of cute. I like that one, I hate, I get the Africa song stuck in my head, you don't, you don't want that one stuck in your head. I suppose not. Um... I don't right. know what to send for this, because I'm just like, I, part of me is like, I could send you like an Ava Max song, she's a pop singer, her music's a little derivative, uh, but it's it's super dancey, and like, I really like it because it's just, it's got that like, element of pop music to it that I like, but it's like, I don't, I don't think it's really bad, I, I, I could see like, like, yeah, it's not great, there's way better pop artists out there, but it's still, it does exactly what it wants to do, 
and I feel like I'm engaging with it on the terms it wants me to engage with it, ergo, it's not bad music to me. Right? What about like, Steven I, Universe? Oh, fuck. I guess that does change things if I sent a show tune. I didn't think about that. Show tunes. Hmm. That um, opens things. I have to think. Part of me is like, I should send a McCavity the Mystery Cat. Or, oh no, Skimble Shanks. Yeah, it's gotta be Skimble Shanks, because that song fucking rocks. But I'm gonna do the 2019 version, because there's a really cool tap dancing part. So, I mean, the point of this is music that you like. Like, your guilty pleasure, right? Yeah. Not just bad music. Yeah. Because you could send him this version of Let It Go, where it's tied to air horns. <laughs> and there's a there's a great there's visuals too every air horn sound there's like air horns exploding on the screen and there's oh one part God. where like she's in the middle of the chorus and the air horns form an ak-47 that then zooms out and shoots more air horns as bullets <laughs> this is so stupid oh my fucking god but, I mean, it, this isn't, like, a guilty pleasure that you would listen to this song. It's more like How a is, joke. I don't, I, honestly, I don't think I can make it through the whole thing. No, it's rough. <laughs> it's 7 billion views. It's, it's really good. It's so fucking funny. Did oh you get to the part with the God. gun? No, when, when does that show up? Um, you want to jump to oh, here we 40 go. seconds? Yeah. <laughs> There's like explosions. <laughs> I'm so happy you said this to me. This is amazing. This is perfect. Oh my god. Oh, I'm so glad you're my friend, Cameron. Oh, Is that because I'm like walking pile of refuse? Well, why don't we talk about a glad space since you're so giggly? We can do that. I want to talk about one of my favorite YouTubers. Um, I've talked about him before. You know Neryl? Oh, God. I recognize that name, but I don't remember why. He does these fantastic little essays. Um, he's way into, like, ROM texture packs. So, like, he's doing, like, an HD Majora's Mask update. You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, he knows a lot about video games. He knows a lot about design. Uh, specifically, like, game feel and the importance of that uh he writes these fantastic essays i just i love watching even his older content um but specifically just talking about resident evil and stuff i really want to recommend anybody look up uh Nerl, that's n-e-r-r-e-l uh he did a good essay on resident evil 5 and one kind of defending resident evil 6 for what it is because he brings up certain points in it where it's like, yeah, you can see the design flaws, but also if you get around those, there's something worthwhile. And if you look at the numbers, you understand why they would make it. Because like Resident Evil 6 is still one of Capcom's most selling games. It's like they did tap into something, even if the the hardcore fans reject it. It's like, yeah, but they were making a product for an audience and it's just uh, it's worthwhile to watch. Because you might think about things a little bit different when you want to critique them. Mm -hmm. So I really recommend that. That sounds cool. I'll have to check that out. That sounds yeah, like I'm... really good, like painting Warhammer and listen to that. Oh yeah, um, he actually he's done a lot of interesting essays on motion controls and specifically like 
emulation laws and whether or not like running an emulator is piracy. But he just has the wittiest sense of humor. Like it's not a series of jokes, but he knows when to uh, land a well-crafted joke. There's just really brilliant essays. Um, I mean, he also did one defending the last Jedi and then he did another one basically like <laughs> lambasting rise of Skywalker because it's like, he he tried to throw Last Jedi a bone, and Rise of Skywalker is like, boy, there's not a lot of bones to throw left. We exhausted uh, it, <laughs> you know. I suppose I, I I didn't hate that movie, but I also really had pretty like normal. Well, because you told me a bunch of stuff about it before I went to watch it, so my expectations were like, I'm gonna watch kind of a dumb Star Wars movie. Okay, that's like you Dragon know Ball GT. No, you what? You got to watch it correctly. Um, and so I actually mostly I enjoyed that movie. It was fine. It had yeah, some really fair. stupid shit in it, but it was it was fun. I I had a good time. Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> I I I I was trying to put myself in the frame of mind of when it came out, and it just seems surprising coming from you. But I remember better now. Yeah, that that's a that's a much more appropriate opinion to have. It is okay. not my glad space though. What is your glad space? So this week, uh, my friend and his family got to come over. Uh, they, they had, he's in the military. I don't see him very often. So they, they had some leave. They came up here to hang out. We hung out with them on Tuesday and uh, got off a bit early. And it was hanging out with him was really fun. His kids are a bit older now. Seeing them was a lot of fun. Um, at one point, you know, we're all just kind of shooting the shit. And his wife, Courtney, is like, hey, do you have any like cartoons you can put on or just, you know, something we can throw on just for the kids to watch? And so I grab a uh, season one of SpongeBob and toss that in. And like after a bit, it's like, we're just all watching SpongeBob because <laughs> it's fucking great. Like, why would you not? Right. Um, so that was great. We were, we were drinking. And like at one point, his, his kids wanted to go play at a park and there's one like two blocks away. So we might be Travis. We just like top off our glasses. We're drinking straight rum at this point. We just walk their kids over to the park and <laughs> we're just, you know, there's other family there, other kids there. We're just like open carry liquor, you know, just being stupid and making fun of his kids when they like fall over or whatever, being just really stupid. <laughs> and it was it was such a good time hanging out with him was so fun. Oh my god, that's a good time though. Um, I guess is that it? Are we are we done for the night? Oh, I guess. What is it? Is it still May? Yeah, we got uh, half of May left. All right. You're gonna are you gonna sing the song? You gotta say the song now. What song? You gotta say the thing. What thing? The thing about May. What about May? What what has it got to be? No, I'm not gonna do it. Stupid. Alright. Goodbye everybody. <laughs> Goodbye everybody. <laughs>